This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. I pray that you get touched by God today. That's my prayer. That every one of us leave a little differently than we came. So just remember that Jesus is a rock that doesn't roll. It's good for the body and great for the soul. So we're going to start this morning in the book of 2 Chronicles 14. If you need a Bible, once you raise your hand up real high, our ushers would gladly, gladly, gladly get the Word of God in your hand. Just keep your hand up again, 2 Chronicles chapter 14. So give you a little insight here. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles 14, 15, and 16. A little bit from each one of those. You may say, where is 2 Chronicles? You'll go through the Samuels, the Kings, then the Chronicles is where we'll get there. So as you're going to 2 Chronicles 14, what would happen if my life on Monday was as powerful as my experiences that I'm going to receive here on Sunday? I, I, I believe that can happen, and I believe it will. And so part of this is your expectation to say, Father God, do a work within me. Now, as we start today, I'll, I'll begin with a verse here. And then I'm going to fill in the blanks a little bit. But I think this becomes a mirror with every one of us about kind of how our lives look. So start with me in 2 Chronicles 14, verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. So we've been talking here about the bloodline of Jesus. This jumps into the bloodline of Jesus Actually, if you really want to follow it, it would be uh, Matthew 1, verse 7 is where this takes place. So we go back here. This guy named Asa, he becomes the king. So to start with, Asa's great-grandfather was Solomon, who we talked about last week. Asa's grandfather was a guy named Rehoboam, and Abraham, or Asa's father was a guy named Abijah. The reason I want to highlight this is because None of his, his fathers, his grandfather or grandfather, had a strong relationship with God. And so it may highlight me and you's life. You may have some crazy folk in your bloodline. You may have some messed up folk in your bloodline. But that doesn't disqualify you from serving God, okay? God still has plans for you. So this is what's going on just a little bit with Asa. So we read the rest of verse 1, and it says, And in his days the land was quiet for 10 years. The land was at peace for 10 years. Now, this didn't happen by chance, okay? There, there was reason that the land was quiet for 10 days. So Asa becomes king. Verse number 2, watch what the very first thing he does. Or let me get to verse 3 before I say that. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Now this was a refreshing contrast. Again, the, the fathers before him weren't godly. So why did he do what was good or right and pleasing in the eyes of God? I believe it's very similar to every one of us in here. Sometimes we feel empty. Sometimes I feel like I have no purpose, no passion. Anybody ever felt that way? Well, the only way I can have purpose and passion as life is when I'm hooked to God. 
And so there was something within this guy named Asa that says, there's got to be more to life than however I'm living right now. Anybody ever been that way? I've been that way. Where I realized there, there's got to be more to life than, than getting drunk every week, every night. That I realized what that did to me just left me empty. So now we look, what does he do the very first thing? Verse 3. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places. He broke down the sacred pillars and he cut down all the wooden images. So the very first thing he does is he begins to purge the land. I, I like to say he goes on this little demolition tour. And he tells everybody, listen, you better put some hard hats on because we got a lot of junk and debris in our lives that we got to get rid of. Now, when I read this, is there any junk in your life or any debris in your life that you know has got to go? It just, it just keeps hanging me up. It keeps getting me off track. And so one of the very first things that that God does is when we desire to have a change in our life, the Holy Spirit shows up and he hands us a broom and a shovel. And he said, there's got to be some things in your life you've got to get rid of. Sin, idols, this one may hurt. Even relationships that pull me away from God. Now, I said earlier that Asa had some crazy people in his bloodline. This is how crazy some of them were. They worshiped the God of the Ashtoreths, which was nothing more than a mistress to Baal, a fertility god. And then they also worshiped the God of the Amorites, which was a god named Moloch. The God of Moloch was notorious for sacrificing their children. Man, messed up. So here this young king named Asa, he says, man, we, we got to get rid of some junk in our lives. But he doesn't stop there. He didn't stop with just the removing of the debris. Look what happens in verse 4. And he commanded... He didn't suggest, he commanded Judah, look, to seek the Lord God of their fathers. We're going to have to go on a, on a seeking mission. Now, that passage right there is cross-referenced to an incredible passage. This is 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, And it says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You know what humbling ourselves mean? That we do it before God has to do it for us. I willingly say, Lord, I need your help. They'll humble themselves. They'll pray. That's a novel idea for a Christian to pray. And to seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. And he said, I'll heal your land. What a promise. 
What a promise. So he commands them back in, in 2 Chronicles 14, verse 4, to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and all the commandments. So he was saying, man, this, this is a vital necessity. Again, time out, folk, he's saying, we got to first, we got to get rid of all the junk in our life, but second of all, we got to start seeking God. We got to start living for God. And it's interesting to me here that even the Israelites, they were God's chosen, but they had this feeling that I can live however I want, and God will still bless me. And I think that even as us as Christians at times, we speak the name of Jesus. We say it kind of as a magical statement, oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And we expect God to move in our lives when our lifestyles and our lives are so out of order. And it's almost like, God, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to take care of us. But look at verse 5, what he says here at the end. He also removed the high places and the incense altars. And all the cities of Judah and the kingdom was quiet under him. So what you see here is the reason it was quiet and there was peace was the cause and the effect relationship. When I obey God and I begin to seek God, God shows up. And I don't know about you, I, I love peace in my life. But peace just doesn't always happen. But when I begin to look to God. So we keep following this guy named Az in verse number 7. It says, Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers, gates, and bars while the land is yet before us. While we have the chance. Because we're at peace, so let's go ahead and fortify the cities. Because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. I want to highlight something to you there again. They sought God. You're going to hear this over and over this morning. When I begin to seek God. Through prayer, through his word, with just spending time with him. Verse 8, and Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from the tribe of Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. So we see this guy named Asa, he's got an army of 580,000. Verse 9, then Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men, 300 chariots, and he came to Marishah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's over a million. And so, what happens when the enemy comes in like a flood? What, what do I do when I'm outnumbered? And so, pay close attention what this young king does. Verse 10, so Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephthah and Marishah. So he sets his troops in order. He positions them 
for battle. We know biblically New Testament. We don't fight against flesh and blood. So when I read this right here, I ask myself this question. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. How, how do I fight my battles? How do you fight your battles? When, when life comes at you, when it seems like all hell's broke loose, how do I fight my battles? Verse 10, or verse 11. And Asa, he cried out to the Lord as God. The first thing he does, the first thing, not the second, not the third, the first thing he does is he cries out to the Lord. Now let me ask you something. When's the last time you've cried out to the Lord? Because oftentimes as 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 men and women, even as Christians, we try to do everything in our own power and our own mind. And sometimes we say this, well, we've done everything we know to do, so I guess now all we got left is to pray? That shouldn't be our last option. That should be our first. That should be the first thing. And it's interesting that this king knew, man, i got to cry out to God. Because when I cry out to God... All hell stands at attention. So he cried out to the Lord his God and he said, Lord, it's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you and in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are God. Do not let man prevail over us. Do you know Hebrews eleven six says that God is a rewarder and rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not hit and miss seek him, but diligently seek him. Now, does that describe me? Or that is so far from how my life would be described. Do I seek God? Do I call out to God? Psalm 50, 15, King David said, I call on him in the day of trouble, and he hears. So this young king, this is what he does. And in verse 12, look what it says. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And let me give you a little insight on just what took place. This guy, this Ethiopian's army here, is the largest army that's mentioned in the Old Testament. Consequently, though, the Ethiopian's defeat was the greatest military victory in the Old Testament. But what would have happened if Asa would have said, I'm not going to call out to God. I'm not going to seek God. See, again, this comes back to every one of us. What, what do I do? The first thing. How do I fight my battles? Second Chronicles 15, verse 1. Now, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, showed up. Do you know the Holy Spirit still shows up? 
Thank God the Holy Spirit still shows up. You know, the prophet Zechariah said in Zechariah 4, 6, he said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. So the Holy Spirit shows up, and he came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. Now, I believe what he's going to tell Asa right here is a word for me and you, and he's saying, listen, pal, this has got to be priority. Verse 2. And he went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. The New, uh, the New Testament cross-reference of that is James 4, 8. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. One translation says to crave him as your soul's First necessity. Woo! Grace me, Lord. Grace me, Lord, to draw near to you. He goes on to say, If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. Wow. What a promise. I sense the Holy Spirit saying that even to us. Seeking. Seeking. Verse 3, for a long time, and I marked that, for a long time, Israel, God's chosen people, has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. For a long time, and he lists these three withouts, and when I read the three withouts, I had to ask myself this question. Do any one of those three withouts, do they describe me or you? And if you notice the first one, it says they were without the true God. They didn't look to God. They didn't sit under the word of God. And the Bible, the scriptures, weren't a big deal. Ooh, it's a scary place for us to be. That's the bad news. You know what the good news is? It's not too late to have God come back into your life. It's not too late. Verse 4. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel, they sought him, and he was found by them. They turned to God again. Verse 5. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to one who came in, but great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the land. Great turmoil. Not good. So look, look real close what happens when people are in great turmoil. Verse 12. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. What'd they say? We're going to seek God. Now, they didn't take this lightly. They really took this serious because look what happens in verse 13. And whoever would not seek the Lord of God of Israel was to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. You want to seek God? Good. You don't want to seek God? I hope you know Jesus because you're going to see him real soon. 
This is how big of a deal this was. I got to seek God. And, and so right here, the warning by this King Asa was, you know what? I, I don't care your political status. I, I really don't care what your ethnicity is. I, I don't care whether you're an American or not. The biggest thing that we got to see is who do you give your loyalty to? Who's, who's first place in your life? So let me paraphrase a little bit. This, this king named Asa, he's so serious about this that he busts his own grandma that she had a, a, an asterisk obscene figure and he said oh grandma you're out too don't let the door hit you where the good lord splits you you're out grandma go i don't care if you're grand i don't care you're not going to do that so i look at this and i see this is a man who at one time in his life there was no evidence of god whatsoever but he begins to serve god and he builds his life on seeking god and calling out to god but 25 years later, something shifts in his heart. And the very need to seek God no longer exists. And I think at times this is human nature that I don't know if he, he began to relax. I don't know if he began to coast. I don't know if he said, let's just, let's just stay in a maintain mode. Let's just go through the motions. That's very dangerous for a believer, for a Christian. That's why the Lord said in Hebrews 12, he said, run the race with endurance. Run the race with endurance. And so somewhere on this track, he gets off. Second Chronicles 16. Verse 1. In the 36th year of the region of Azam, or the reign of Asa, Asa, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. Cut him off. Then Asa, listen to this, he brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and he sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come break your treaty with Bethlehem king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. And let me tell you what's happening here. He takes the silver and gold from the house of God. And he buys this ungodly king off. He pays him off. Now remember, this had been a man who was notorious for seeking God. Over and over and over. How, how did he get off? I, I, I have this thought here that it's kind of like, well, I'm so smart now. I've, I've got life figured out. I, I know what to do. I, I don't need God anymore. You know, 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, the wisdom of man is foolishness with God. And I really wonder if this, if this guy said, you know what, I'm so stinking smart. Whatever works, whatever's easiest, 
Let's just do it that way. Same chapter, verse number seven. And at that time, Hananiah the seer. The word seer actually means a human, a human being that's gifted with a gift into seeing into the spirit realm. They're still modern day seers. So Hananiah the seer, he came to Aza, king of Judah, and he said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Verse 8. Were the Ethiopians in Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Back with the million-man army. Now, off of verses 7, 8 right there. Here's a question. Who do you rely on today? Who, who do I rely on today? Do, do I put all my hope in mankind? Or do I look to God? And it's interesting, this man who had built his life on seeking God, all of a sudden, he quit seeking God. And the result was all hell broke loose. Verse 9. Now watch this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those heart is loyal to him. God still does that to this day. God's eyes are like a Doppler radar. And he scans the earth day by day by day by day. And note what it looked like said he was looking for. He was looking for a certain type of heart. He was looking for a loyal heart. A fully and totally committed heart. He, he wasn't looking for someone who was famous. He wasn't looking for someone that had a lot of fortune, a title, a position. He wasn't looking for someone who was popular on social media. He wasn't looking for someone that was popular on TikTok. His eyes are scanning for the heart that says, Father God, I'm loyal to you. I'm loyal to you. In this, you have done foolishly. One translation says, what a fool. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise and teachable. A fool is in love with his own opinion. Now this may hurt, okay? Does that fool describe me and you? Oof. Does that describe me? Am I, am I a fool or I live foolishly? Because I don't look to God, I don't trust God. Verse 10, then Asa was angry with the seer 
Proverbs 12, 1 says, He who hates correction is stupid. I didn't say that, okay? The Bible says that. Proverbs 12, 1. And then Asa was angry with the seer. And he was so angry and mad, he put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Azar oppressed some of the people at that time. So when confronted about how foolish he had acted, he gets angry. He gets mad. He didn't fall on his knees and repent. He literally lost his temper and he began to be very angry. And I believe all this begins to show the condition of his heart. And when I turn from the things of God, I become stale, I become crusty, and I become very hard-hearted. And I think this is what took place with him. A godly rebuke from the seer only irritated him. Who has the right to tell you no in a godly way? Wow. See, the reason I highlight this big is because when we go back with King David and he blew it and made a mistake, Nathan the prophet confronted him and he repented. Asa wouldn't repent. The condition of my heart, I'm, I'm not going to repent. Keep reading here with me. Verse 11. Note that the acts of Asa, first and last, are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. And his malady was severe, yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. He, even in his disease, he still wouldn't seek God. He wouldn't turn back to God. And, and godly people, we're not perfect. We're not flawless. But my reaction to rebuke and correction always reveals the condition of my heart. The Lord will always say this to me. He'll say, you'll, you'll know their true heart by the way they repent or their lack of repentance. And he would never repent. And you know what's crazy? That's the way he died. He died bitter. He died hard-hearted. And, and this is almost mind-boggling to me because this was a man who sought God. He searched for God. He knew how significant God was. But he wouldn't turn to God. Turn with me to, to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. I got just a couple script verses here I'm going to give you because I, I really believe this is some of the stuff that we need to get. John 7 verse 37. On the last day of that great day of the feast 
which was the Feast of Tabernacle, which was one of the most joyful feasts that they ever had. Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, Now they're coming off of this great feast. And Jesus asked this question. He says, if anyone thirsts or if anyone is really thirsty, let him come to me. Wow. Jesus is saying, I'm the thirst quencher. Spiritually. Verse 38, he who believes in me, he who is born again, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So a person that has this thirst and he welcomes this river of living water, that thirst goes, goes to a flow, not a trickle, but he said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Whom those believing in him, those who are born again, they would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given, but because Jesus was not yet glorified. So he's saying here. Man, you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to get in the river where there's life, there's healing, there's victory. Out of your belly, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And so to me, he's telling us, this is the touch of God. You want the touch of God in your life? You got to welcome the Holy Spirit. How do I get the Holy Spirit? How'd you get born again? I asked Jesus to come in my heart. I repented of all my sins. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? If you're born again, you welcome the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill me with the Spirit. The Bible also says in Acts 19 that they would lay hands on them and they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus' words. And I can't deny the Holy Spirit, Okay. I don't know what you've been taught about the Holy Spirit. Well, I've taught the Holy Spirit's weird. No, the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. The Holy Spirit's not crazy. People are crazy. The Holy Spirit's incredible. He's the perfect gentleman. Actually, Galatians 5, 22, 23, it lists, lists the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit or the fruit that only comes from the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness. Do you need any of those in your life? I say I need every one of them. And I need some of them in a double portion. I, I really need the, the, the fruit of self-control. Because you know what self-control does? It causes me to think before I speak. Power of the Holy Spirit, why don't you stand up here today? The fresh anointing, the fresh anointing, the fresh touch of God. Woo, again, again. The prophet Zechariah, it's not by might nor by it's by the Spirit of God. It's not going to be by your abilities, your talents, your titles. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, go in the inside of me. Do a work within me.
I welcome you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at, okay? The beginning step for every one of us is I must be born again. What does that mean? I must ask Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. None of the rest matters until you've done that, okay? I, I can't bypass that step and jump to the others. If you're here this morning and you need to give your heart to Jesus, and what I mean by that, if you've never accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, or maybe you're here today, and you've left the kingdom of God, and you, you turned your back on Jesus, but you sense him pulling at you right now, tugging at your heart. If that's you today, I, I welcome you right now just to get out of your seat where you're at, and come on down here. Say, man, I, I got to get Jesus in my life. I got to get Jesus. Woo, I gotta get, come on, girls. Man, praise God. What, what a day. What a day. Great day. Great day. Let me help some of you with this. If this was your last day on the earth, this is it. When you wake up tomorrow, would you be in paradise with Jesus? Or would you be in the other place where it's called weeping and gnashing of teeth? Where the fire never ends. See, listen. There's only two options. Heaven or hell. And you get to make the choice where you'll spend eternity at. And you don't get into heaven by chance. You don't get into heaven because who your grandmother was. You get into heaven when you make a stand and say, I'm going to receive Jesus. So is there any more that say, I, I, I need to get in here today. I, I need to come down here with these two ladies. Come on, come on, here's another one. Yeah, we're blocking. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. AJ, just stand there with him. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray with him. I, I ask you guys to pray with us, okay? Just bow your head, okay? And I, I believe this is very significant for every one of us to say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I come to you as a sinner. I've sinned and I've sinned. And I confess my sins before you right now. And I ask you, Father God, to forgive me. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Come into my heart and change me. Make me a new creation reality. And on March 20th, my name was recorded in the transcripts of heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. <laughs> Woo. Wow. Man. What a day. What a day. <laughs> it's powerful, man. That's powerful. That's powerful. But I'm going to ask you to bow your head because I don't believe the Lord's done here. 
And I, I believe the Holy Spirit will begin to work on our hearts right here. If you're here today and you know, man, I, I, I got some debris in my life that, that needs to be cut down. It needs to be removed. And, and I know, Father God, you're the one who helps me. You grace me in that area. If that's you right now and you say, man, there's things in my life that we got to purge. I, I welcome you to keep coming down. If you're here today and you say, I, I, I haven't sought God. I, I've never sought God or I've quit seeking God. I, I believe God wants to stir something within you. And you may say, how do you seek God? This is how I fight my battles. I, I just get on my knees. See, God, God's into email, not in the email, he's in an email. He loves when I get on my knees before him and say, Father God, I don't know what to do. And I can tell you as a young believer years ago, a guy said to me when I told him, I don't know what to pray. He said, just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. Who have you relied on? Who have you relied on? Just be real open with you. Who have you relied on? I acted like a fool that I thought the things of man would supersede Jesus the word of God see if any of those describe you I, I, I welcome you to come down to the altar right now or you just, you just come before God just one more thought is your life spiritually is it dry does there seem like there's a wall between you and God? I'm going to ask you to do something big. Sometimes you've got to look into the mirror. You look into the mirror at the very person that's using your toothbrush. Can I help you with that? That's you, I hope. It's me. I, I can't change you and you can't change me. But something happens when I say, man, Lord, I, I need you today. I need a touch of heaven. And so as they get ready to, to, to sing here these worship and praise, man, I, I welcome you to come to the altar and say, Father God, I need a touch of God. I need a touch of God. I, I want my life to be defined. I'm a seeker of the most. High. I want my life to be fine. But my heart is loyal to you, Father. I'm all in. I'm not a saint on Sunday and a sinner on Monday. I'm all in. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.